As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So not even the transfer window closing could stop Chelsea's new owners from shopping. On yesterday's pod, we revealed that RB Leipzig's Christopher Nkunku has signed a pre-contract agreement to join Chelsea next season. Today, we take a closer look at the player they'll be getting. Christopher Nkunku! Un bijou de but! on Nkunku with a hat-trick chance, which he takes! 4-3, the young French player who has had a starring role here tonight. Has actually signed, as we understand it, a pre-contract agreement to join Chelsea. And now the defence is sliced open, it's a cuckoo, a cuckoo to open the scoring for Leipzig! You might say that Chelsea have been a bit of a graveyard for talent in recent years. We haven't really seen players necessarily develop that much. I think a lot of it has to do with the instability. Our German football expert Raphael Honigstein and Chelsea correspondent Liam Toomey are here as we explore what Nkunku would bring to the bridge, the knock-on effect of his arrival and if his impact coming from the Bundesliga will be more Erling Haaland or Timo Werner. I'm Mark Chapman, this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Well, Raf, you've been watching Nkunku develop in the Bundesliga. He is still only 24 years old. How big a talent are we talking about here right now? Amazing talent. I think he's gone beyond the talent bracket and into real fantastic player. Best player in the Bundesliga, not named Erling Haaland and Robert Lewandowski for the last couple of years. Hugely versatile, can play in a number of positions. The one caveat I would add is that I don't think he can lead the line. I don't think that's his best position. I think he's better coming off from a wide area or from a number 10 position. So as good a signing as he will be, I think for Chelsea, if this does go through, I still think they need somebody else alongside him to bring out the best of him. Okay. So is he better in a three then, or are you saying he could be in a he could play in a ten with with somebody ahead of him? Yeah, he could be he could be doing either. As a general rule of thumb, I think forwards like centre backs always like to have safety numbers. So if you have three strikers, I think it's easier. Uh, if you have two strikers, it's easier than one. Um, I don't think he would be best utilised with his back to goal 
uh, trying to hold up balls or trying to link up in, in, in deep positions too far away from the opposition box. Um, maybe he will develop that side of his game, but he is a very explosive player, likes to dribble, uh, likes to cut inside. And I think he will be really good signing for Chelsea. Really, really good signing. Uh, his stats are spectacular. Uh, his uh, breakthrough season, in inverted commas, a year ago, 20 goals in 34 appearances, 13 assists, 11 goals in 12 matches in Europe. He's got six in eight already this season. Um, you've, you've just touched on some of his attributes, but but the player behind the numbers is, is what you said, I think, there, explosive. Yeah, hugely explosive, very fast. There's some wonderful YouTube compilations of the kind of trickery that is sometimes involved in him getting past players. He does some really special things, but he does also does the, the really simple things really well. You know, always has an eye out for, for a, a teammate. It doesn't shoot from stupid angles, doesn't do silly stuff when things don't go according to plan. Super professional on the pitch. A super nice guy, by all accounts. Everyone I've spoken to at Leipzig says they they enjoy working with him. And yeah, the only question for a couple of years now has been where will he go next? And I think for Chelsea to pull that off is a real is a real coup, especially if they uh, manage to do it so early before a real auction starts. I think there's a good chance we will see him have an impact for France as well unless France self-destruct early on. <laughs> um, but I can see him coming on in games. I can see him stretch teams. I can see him do a lot of special stuff. And of course, then uh, we would have seen an auction in the spring at the latest for his talents. Um, if Chelsea managed to get this over the line now, then I think the little bit of extra they'll probably have to pay on top of what would otherwise been deemed an agreeable price to release him will be will be seen as as worth it. Okay, should we already book in the um, why have France imploded pod for midway through the World <laughs> Cup? Shall we? Should we do that just on the off chance? I mean, it's always fifty fifty, isn't it? It's fifty fifty for them to either win the yeah. competition or get knocked out in the group stage. Yeah. Okay. Right. So at the end of the group stage, I'll book in the how have France imploded and why? And then we'll also book in the... How they how, won the World Cup. How they won the World Cup pod. Brilliant. They're, they're two pods sorted for our World Cup coverage. Uh, Liam, on the... Um, before we look at his what, what his potential impact at Chelsea may be, where he might play, whose positions, whose places are under threat, talk, talk me through how this deal has come about from your perspective, and Raf may have information from Germany to throw into this, but go for it. Yes, I think Raf and David Ornstein have very much led our reporting on this, but Nkunku is someone that Chelsea have been looking at for quite some time. I think he's someone that the, the recruitment staff have been watching since before the change of ownership. Um, but we've seen Chelsea's new owners be very aggressive in pursuing the players that the, in particular, that, that their data suggests are elite performers. And Nkunku certainly fits that bracket in terms of his age profile, 24 years years old, heading into what you would think would be his prime years. Um, he, he, he fits the sort of good investment um, model as well. 
and someone that I think Chelsea feel, as Raf said, that if they allow this to progress um, and get closer to next summer, may well go up in price, even though, as we've said, he has a defined price to get him out of RB Leipzig. Is this one of the first deals that it feels to you like uh, pre Bowley and now with Bowley, everybody's aligned? I, I'm not sure because there are so many, so few people left <laughs> from what happened before. I mean, the, the, the chief scout has gone, of course, um, Thomas Tuchel has gone, um, the football structure above Tuchel went ages ago. So, um, we are very much talking about decisions that I think Chelsea's new owners are, are making off their own back, really. And the interesting part of this is that, you know, it was one thing spending so aggressively last summer when you felt like you had to, the Chelsea squad needed significant surgery. It's another thing to now line up transfers for future windows when you still don't have a sporting director in place. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic and I wonder how it affects Chelsea's pursuit of a sporting director. But I, I think this is certainly an alignment of someone that, that Chelsea have looked at for quite a long time and someone that the new owners have decided should be a priority. And Grab Potter's role in this? Well, I don't think he's taking a sort of leading role. I mean, he has Kyle McCauley, the recruitment yeah. analyst that he's brought with him. I think McCauley's role is is to give Potter's opinion, essentially, on players. Um, so I, I, I'm sure he will have been asked for his opinion on Nkunku. The new owners want to be collaborative. That that was a big part of why they appointed Potter and why they felt they couldn't work with Tuchel. Um, so I'm sure even if he doesn't admit it in a press conference, Potter has been at least asked about Nkunku and what he thinks of him and how he might fit into his team. But ultimately, I think Chelsea's owners are looking at this as a, as a talent play um, and as a good investment in someone who could be about to explode at the, the highest level. How does the deal work as far as you understand it, Raf? Well, I don't have the uh, total uh, picture because it has been crowded, clouded a little bit in, in denials and obfuscations from various sources. But basically, when Nkunku renewed his contract in the summer, there was a clause inserted that allowed him to go for a certain amount of money. That amount of money, in, according to what I've been told, is not fixed in itself, but there's a mechanism uh, to do with performances, etc., that then defines the value objectively and you can sort of work work your way back from it now thinking, okay, what will the price probably be? And what Chelsea have done or trying to do is to say, we will do the deal now and uh, make sure that Leipzig give, him, give the player to us. And that way we don't have to sit and wait until somebody else will come and maybe trigger the same mechanism. Uh, of course, the number one, the most important step is to win over the player. The reason why I think we've heard these reports is because it is effectively a situation where the player can control his own destiny and Leipzig are not stupid enough to pretend that no one's talking to him and this is all an outrage and tapping up and all sort of stuff. They, they understand how the business works and they knew that this was going to come. Perhaps what they weren't prepared for is for the story to come out so early, which of course is, is not ideal with still a big chunk of the season to go. My guess is that with the World Cup approaching, maybe we will see some clarity before the World Cup. I think that would be a good moment if indeed an agreement can be reached uh, between the three parties. 
because then there's a massive gap until German football comes back in January. So that that's where we are. Um, we've seen with Chelsea in the summer that some of the deals where they fought, they are basically done or they're very close. They can still fall apart. So we should caution that until everything is signed, we cannot quite be sure. Players can change their minds as well, but the indications are that this will go through. And it's quite astonishing, really, if if you consider the fact that at the end of August, this medical went through and we are well, we were just in September and we're talking about a deal that will happen in June of next year, um, even allowing for sort of the Nabiketa precedent <laughs> that still is a lot of forward thinking and, and quite impressive, I think, if Chelsea can, can make this happen. And and presumably, Liam. I mean, we we talked about them paying more than the release clause, but Raf's Raf's explanation there on the different mechanisms probably indicate that it's a bit more complicated than a simple release clause. And also, the second point Raf made: they've been in this situation before Chelsea this summer with players, and maybe by by paying more, they take they try and minimise their risk of being usurped. Yeah, and maybe hope desperately that Barcelona don't hear about this. (laughs) (laughs) The new owners got a crash course in how the European football transfer market works over the summer. Added to that, the unique situation at Barcelona that burned them a couple of times. So I, I think that's why you haven't seen Chelsea crowing about this. You haven't really seen even anything off the record coming coming from that side that they are absolutely confident this is 100% done. I think the, the the messaging is that there's a confidence now that an, a full agreement can be reached and that they have kind of the, the framework in place of what they want to do. And, and it certainly seems like the, the player is on board with that. But there's so much time until next summer and, and so much can change. I mean, Nkunku could get a really bad injury. You know, that's just one yeah. of the many variables uh, that, that could change everything. So... What is interesting is that is that the transfer window is closed and that Chelsea's owners are still working very, very actively um, to strengthen this squad for future windows. As I said before, they've even hired a sporting director who you would expect to, to lead this kind of conversation. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone, host of Handbrake Off, the twice-weekly Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic each week. I'm joined by two of Amy Lawrence, Adrian Clark, Art De Roche, and James McNicholas. What a lineup that is to talk about the best club in the Premier League. 
This week, join us to bask in the North London Derby glory. And let me tell you, do we bask? <laughs> yes, we do. Come back later in the week on Friday as we look ahead to another massive tussle with Liverpool and look to keep the number one firmly by our name. Search for Handbrake Off now, available wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you could hit follow to make sure you keep up with the best team, that's us covering the best team. That is Handbrake Off. So good, we made it twice. Raf talks about you know how great the player is, what a great deal Chelsea might might have managed to pull off here. Where's he going to play? Well, Raf's watching watched him a lot more at RB Leipzig than I have. But if my understanding is correct, they've they've often played with a, a sort of back three and either a either a front three or a sort of a, a ten and a, and sort of split strikers um, in recent years. And Nkunku has played in both systems and played very well in both systems. Um, kind of offer a, a more conventional number nine, and uh, and I think Chelsea is set up to to let him do that as well, given the way that Graham Potter has started. I know they played a back four against Crystal Palace, um, but Potter is tactically quite similar to Thomas Tuchel in terms of the the sort of stable of of starting formations that he will pick from with this group of players, and um, and I think whether it's a three or a two. Nkunku will, will rarely find himself in a situation where he is leading the line for Chelsea and expected to hold the hold the ball up and win fight balls against much bigger centre backs. I don't think that's the that will be the plan. Whether it's Pierre Emerick Aubameyang next to him or um, Kai Havertz playing as kind of a false nine that can do more of the physical things, um, there will always be someone with him who can kind of let him settle into what is more of his stronger role. It'd be very interesting if if Chelsea and Potter think they still need that number nine. Yeah. Now that the uh, pendulum has swung back towards uh, number nines, and I think uh, there might be one or two in the Premier League who uh, are um, sort of reinvigorating uh, that position at the moment. Mm. Um, but I think in Kunkwes, as Liam has said, will will find a place in whatever formation. The one thing that I wouldn't like to see him in personally is to be that number nine. I think you wouldn't do him any favours. Um, so that's going to be, I think, still up for debate. You know, is this it now in terms of the strike force? Or are they saying, well, Kunku is basically the guy who will dictate how a new strike force will look? That might not include... Yeah, Marik Obama Young and, and not too many of the other players at the moment. There's, I think, a lot of question marks about the the forward players uh, right now at Chelsea, which I think makes it all the more important that they really strengthen with quality players like like Nkunku. And because because immediately there are there are going to be questions, aren't there, Liam? Because you think, okay, well, let, let's say he's what he's one of the wide in a three a little bit. So you go in Kunku and Sterling, and for the argument's sake at the moment, it's Aubameyang. So then, what happens to Mason Mount, for example, or where's Kai Havertz in that? I mean, Chelsea's actual big number nine is on loan at Inter Milan, isn't he? I mean, isn't he? I mean that that's and that comes to an end at the end of this summer. So whilst his signing will be positive and lauded. There will be players within that Chelsea squad who whose places are going to be threatened. I mean, I know that's the case with every new signing, but I think with the the plethora of, of attacking players that Chelsea has, it's really interesting. 
Yeah, and I think in that sense, it's a continuation of the summer where we saw so many new faces coming in across all positions that it it was quite destabilising for the squad um, because you had some players that were that were looking to leave but couldn't find a market and some players that wanted to play for Chelsea but suddenly found themselves with their positions threatened by, by new signings. I think that will continue. No one in Chelsea's current uh, sort of attacking stable has really nailed down a starting spot with the exception of Mason Mount, I think you would say, who, who plays regularly regardless of who the coach is, but he doesn't always play in the attacking line. Potter's already played him as more of a number eight, which is where I understand, you know, Mount sees his best position as kind of that sort of number eight, number 10 hybrid. Um, so I think a lot will depend on the way Chelsea set up, but their, their conventional attackers, I think Raheem Sterling started well um, and, and, and been reasonably reliable but no one else has has really nailed down a place yet so I think what we're seeing is Chelsea not being beholden to what they've got in terms of what they're planning with their attack and and as you rightly say the the Lukaku question hovers over all of this because it while Tuchel was there there was absolutely no question that he, he you know he would even consider coming back but now such an investment in him is that a sunk cost? Is that considered a sunk cost by by Todd Bowley and, and Clear Lake Capital? Or, or, or is there a way back for him? Does Graham Potter see that? There, there, there are a lot of things that we don't know yet and that will have ripple effects for Nkunku and the others. Could could, could Nkunku be a, the Martinez into Milan to Lukaku? Raf, on what you've seen? Yes, yes, he could be. Very similar player in terms of the impact I think he can have in that position mm. as a, cent- a second striker. But I just don't see Lukaku coming back um, irrespective of who's behind him. Um, I mean, the, you never really know in football, but I can't see right now after everything that's gone down and Chelsea's willingness to let him go on such attractive terms for Inter that he will he will come back um but yeah if you ask lukaku do you see yourself playing ahead of a, a two with nkunku making a lot of the runs and linking up with you and and helping you to find a bit more mobility as well then i'm sure he'd be he'd be very happy i just don't think he wants to do it in a in a chelsea shirt necessarily we talked about the article that, that Liam uh, has put together on the potential impact of Nkunku at, at Chelsea. Um, he put that together with Liam Tharm, who's our tactics writer. So we asked the other Liam for his thoughts as well. The big consideration tactically is probably the difference in terms of style between the teams and the leagues. Rebel football in particular is a lot more transitional and vertical. Potter likes to play in a lot more organised possession uh, and with a lot less chaos, if we're being totally honest. I think the most exciting part about Nkunku is the fact he's so two-footed. He can score and create with both feet. He scores plenty of goals from attacking crosses, either through positioning himself well in the box or through nice late runs to attack crosses. But I think his best goals come from those runs in behind. And Christopher Nkunku has done just that. One of Europe's most sought-after strikers has got the goal. He times it to get in behind the defence. He shows really good composure, often dinking it over the goalkeeper. And he's really composed, has really good balance, really ends up on the floor when he is scoring goals. I think an underrated and maybe ignored aspect of his game too is the fact that he can offer a dead ball threat. 
He scored the goals and direct free kicks, and he scored seven of his eight senior penalties. I know Chelsea have Jorginho, but it never hurts to have options and depth, I think, in that regard. Ultimately, he's still only 24, and Potter has got a record of developing young talent, so I think it's a real good fit for Christopher Nkunku. Just to follow up on, on Liam's point there, uh, Raf. bearing in mind we've also looked at players who might be under threat from Nkunku's arrival. We mentioned Havertz. Uh, we didn't really mention Pulisic, but you would ex- expect Pulisic to be under threat. And also Timo Werner has been mentioned in this podcast as well. Is there any kind of... There has to be a, a small question mark about whether... about how quickly he will adapt from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. I think there's any, there's always a question about that adaptation, whatever league you come from, even if you move within the league, I don't think that uh, it necessarily always goes uh, immediately when you change the system. It is true that because of the Bundesliga's very open nature and the amount of goals that get scored there, I think centre forwards or strikers or, or forwards in, in, in of any description often find a bit more space. Uh, I think it'd be naive to deny that. But from that, doesn't necessarily follow that players who are very, very good will suddenly be not very, very good when they move. I think we've seen that um, reductive um, take being smashed to pieces uh, by a couple of strikers who move. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? Even as I was asking the question, I was thinking I, I could, I, I could easily make the the opposite case with a couple of very, very good examples, really. Yeah, but it's um, you know I think it's it's obvious that uh, when players move and it doesn't work out, then people look for reasons. And the easiest thing to say is, well, you know, Bundesliga is easier. Or I think having seen him play and the consistency that he's shown, I don't see any reason to worry that he wouldn't be a success in any system, in any league. Of course, you might say that Chelsea have been a bit of a graveyard for talent in recent years. We haven't really seen players necessarily develop that much. I think a lot of it has to do with the instability uh, that's been both behind the scenes and on the managerial position. You wouldn't want somebody to come in in a system that perhaps doesn't quite bring the best out of players or, you know, there's a schism devolving, evolving between what the club wants to do and what the manager wants to do. So you have all these vagaries and unknowns in in football. So you can never quite, I think, predict which way it's going to go. But I think in terms of his qualities, his attributes, I would say that they're universally strong enough to thrive under almost any circumstances. So I have very little doubt that he's going to be a success. Just moving away from this transfer and a couple on Chelsea, Liam, to to finish about to finish with um, tomorrow night. We're recording this on, on Tuesday. The Wednesday night game at, at home uh, to Inter Milan is is huge for Chelsea, given how they've begun the the, the group stages. It feels big for Potter as well, actually. It's massive. It's the biggest test that that Potter's had so far, but it's no margin for error. Um, for Chelsea at this point, they're, they're they're in a terrible situation after one point from two games against Dinamo Zagreb and, and Salzburg, and this almost feels like a a Champions League knockout tie because they have Milan at home and then Milan away, separated by about a week, and um, 
I think if they if they lose the game, then they're in serious serious trouble. If they draw it, then you you can kiss goodbye to finishing top of Group E. Um, they're, they're very much playing for second, but either way, they have some serious ground to to make up. And I think the only the only sort of saving grace from what's happened so far is that both Dinamo Zagreb and, and, and RB Salzburg have looked dangerous enough that you could imagine them potentially taking points off Milan, really opening things up, and of course taking points off each other to, to keep this group open. But it's a big, big test for Potter. The team he picks will be fascinating. Um, the way he sets up to, to try and nullify a very confident Milan team that are coming to Stamford Bridge as Serie A champions in good form with a player in Rafael Leal that Chelsea admire greatly. His his one his one on one tussle with Reese James will be absolutely fascinating, I think. And then of course you have the narrative of Fikayo Tamori and Olivier Giroud coming back to, to Chelsea as well, and both will be very, very keen to to have a good night. Mind you, RB Leipzig have had a tough start as well, haven't they? To to their Champions League group, Raf. So and they they play on Wednesday at home to Celtic. That's the earlier kickoff in Chelsea, in case Chelsea fans want to watch uh, that that game for obvious reasons. Yeah, they, they should watch because I think it'd be an exciting game. Leipzig, zero points so far. A little bit unlucky against Real Madrid, but awful against Shakhtar. That was the last game before Domenico Tedesco was fired. Uh, now under Marco Rosa, they found a bit more momentum, I would say. Uh, they scored uh, four against Bochum, which admittedly is the worst team in the Bundesliga, but Nkunku scoring two, Werner scoring two, striking up a bit of a relationship that they had before Werner left. So, yeah, I think it'd be been an interesting game um, for Chelsea fans for all sorts of reasons. So they should... Uh, <laughs> uh, right, thank you both. Talk to you both soon. Uh, Liam Toomey and Rafa Honigstein. Now for unrivaled Champions League coverage and so much more as well, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months at theathletic.com slash football pod. Now the other big story of the day is the uncertainty around Steve Cooper's position at Nottingham Forest. At the time of recording this, he is uh, still in the job. If anything happens, we will cover it on other pods uh, this week and we'll have another episode for you. That that might be the episode at the same time uh, tomorrow. Hit subscribe. I'll see you then. The Athletic.